All right, Trevor, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. He is the match of of the invincible. God is best born. All all creation formed by him. All this were is cursed on in heaven or in on earth visible and invisible whether things earth termination earth Really, all things creation lean of him of war, for him all is before all the years, and on him all things all together, and he is the head to for body the church. Amen. Here you go. Thank you, Trevor. Regardless of our limitations, we can point people to Jesus. The question today is, will you? How do we? Looking at our, our verse here, the image of the invisible God. God came down to earth. We just celebrated that with, with Christmas and his coming as a baby and uh, all that that brings. And, you know, Jesus was there at creation, part of creation. He's before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. That's us as we gather together. It's all about Jesus. And Christmas is a time to, to gather together and celebrate Jesus. So I had family come in from Atlanta and Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago. And it's great just to have that tradition of coming together, being with family, celebrating Christ, giving gifts, and, and just really loving each other. And I think as I talk to people, a lot of people, when they say, how is your Christmas, they usually gauge it on, well, did we get in family arguments or do I like this person? But how did it go as we were together? Because I think in, in America, we look at Christmas as a time of coming together as family and, and spending time together. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But the more I look at the Christmas story, you know, Greg in December just walked us through what it was like for Jesus to come, what he went through, what our response and perspective should be. You know, it hit me once again as Jesus came down from heaven and came as a baby limited by this human body and the, a human baby body not having access to his godly attributes. It wasn't a family Christmas. As a matter of fact, the first Christmas, Jesus left the comfort 
the access to his, the, the trinity and his godly attributes. And there was a significant sacrifice. But he came for us, for you, for me and our neighbors. So Christmas for Jesus wasn't about coming home. It was about going out. And then you read about Mary and Joseph. Was Christmas, the birth of Jesus, about them coming home? No, it was about them leaving home. Going because of the census to uh, try to connect with family. And you know that in that they were rejected likely was family members who said, No, you know, we're not sh- too sure about you two. Pregnancy, not married, go somewhere else. Christmas for Mary and Joseph, the first Christmas, was not about family and comfort. It's amazing how easy to take this gospel, this truth, and to make it personal about our own comfort. And we're here this morning, most of us are followers of Jesus, and that is wonderful. And I want to encourage each of us to grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and be challenged. Come together on Sundays. I hope you're study on your own during the week. But it's not about us. It doesn't end with us. We gather together. We grow spiritually. We, we develop that relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that we can reach our neighbors, so that we can reach the ends of the earth, so that God's name is honored as it should be throughout the earth. That is what the gospel story is about. May we never make it all about our comfort. I'm not saying we shouldn't gather together at Christmas with family. I'm not saying we shouldn't gather on Sundays as family and enjoy it. I'm saying there is more of a purpose. There is a moving forward. There is a a going out. Now, why do we do this? We look at this, this command Initially, what's going on with Christianity? I talk about our head or our heart and then our hands. Well, in our head, there's this Jesus came down, this acknowledgement that we are sinners. We need a Savior, and he was that Savior. But it's easy, again, to make it all about us. What is that proper response to this great news? Well, let's go all the way back to Genesis 12. We've had Adam and Eve falling. We've had the flood and all those problems. We've had the Tower of Babel. And here is Genesis 12. God says, I'm going to set aside a people group. He speaks down to Abram. And what does God say when he's developing the Jews? The first words weren't, it's all going to be wonderful. We're just going to huddle together. The first words were, Abram, leave the land of your family and go to a place that I have for you. He didn't even tell him where. So Abram's probably a little stunned. And I'm going to speculate a little here, so hang with me. I didn't see this in a Hollywood movie. But what would Abram's response likely have been? Well, look what God said to him. He says, Abram, I will bless those who bless you. Him who honors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think Abram was likely doing a wahoo dance like we haven't seen. I probably picture Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof doing his little shake thing there. Probably went on for hours. God's going to bless me. Isn't this going to be great? He's going to make me a, a great nation, a great people group. And so here's this God speaking down. Abram's just overwhelmed. Isn't this fantastic? 
But then Abram, after all the dancing, he probably sat down and he says, wait a second, this is like a contract. There's a top line. This is what God's saying. It's going to be great. I'm going to bless you. But there's a so that. There is in contracts a bottom line. I think we're all looking at what is the bottom line. And here it's at the, so, so that in some translations. And this one it says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is a responsibility. Because of this blessing, because of this knowledge here for Abram, because you're going to lead the people of God, it's not just so you'll be a wonderful people of God. It's so that you can reach the nations, the ethne, the people groups. So for Abram, I think he got it right away. Later on, as the law is given to the Jews, there's reminders. As you bring in the foreigner, as you reach out to them, reminding them it's not just about you. You are my people so that you can be my representatives on earth and tell other people about me. It's interesting when God spoke to Isaiah, he got it. God says, I want to use you. And Isaiah simply said, here's the bottom line. Here I am. Send me. Use me. Do whatever it takes, God. And that should be our response to this good news, this this knowledge of who he is. Later on, we'll look at John 17, where Jesus is saying, as God, you have sent me, so I send You all, those who follow me. And in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, not just where you are, but to the ends of the earth. And the church has not done that very well. Still a third of the world not knowing who Jesus Christ is. We need to improve locally. We need to improve globally. Well, here's this response. Here's this good news. All right, Jesus came down. I'm a wretched person. I'm selfish. He saved me. Now he can build me up and he can use me. And I have this relationship with God. Isn't this great? But this isn't just head knowledge. As my wife and I were preparing to go to Indonesia 25 years ago, somebody said, Kevin, you, you talk about going overseas. It's a duty. Because I said, well, look what God's done. And and they said, but what about this relationship? Where's your heart? So I often have to remind myself there needs to be some compassion. What is our reaction to this overwhelming need of people needing to hear and my own limitations? Well, I am blessed to be a blessing. And I really need to ache for those around me. When we look out into our neighborhoods... Do we really see people as created in the image of God? If they were created by their heavenly father in his image and they are rejecting him, they are spiritual orphans. I spoke in November, I talked about we're all touched by physical orphans. Our hearts should also break for spiritual orphans, those around us who don't know Jesus Christ. Jeremiah wept for the people of Israel. Jesus wept for Jerusalem because he knew they weren't following him. They were following their own path, their own direction. There is a heart response. You know, Paul's heart in Philippians is really interesting. He says, you know what? For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. 
Wouldn't that be cool to be in heaven with God? But he said, if I tarry, I will live so that I can be poured out as an offering. Paul got it. He said, didn't say, it's about me. Lord, bless me, fill me more and more. No, he said, I, I want to grow so that I can go and go where the gospel isn't known. A reaction to the overwhelming need. I hope you open your spiritual eyes and look out into your neighborhoods. People need to know Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, today at the end, I'm going to reiterate this. My challenge to each of you is to invite three people to join us in the sun, on a Sunday in the next three months. Now, can you do more than that? Absolutely. I'm saying at a minimum, please just invite people. Not so that we can fill every seat in the pew and we can look good or we can raise more money. My heart aches for people who need Jesus Christ. May we do what it takes to expose them to the gospel. Like Trevor and like me, we both have limitations. You have limitations. And God is an amazing God. And he can use you in spite of your limitations. Understand your role as ambassador and step out and reach your, your neighbors. Not just your neighbors. We had the youth group head out to uh, take a family trip to Mexico. We do that about every three months. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We send people out to different countries in the summer. Later on, I'm going to talk about sending long-term teams out to plan churches because people need to hear this good news. And that is our reaction. That should be our reaction to this overwhelming need. Also, locally among us, we have international students. There's an organization nearby that said, Kevin, we'd love to have Olive Branch partner with us. Please come and talk to me if you'd like to be involved in how do we reach international students, most of whom come here for an education and never get invited into an American home. And you're saying, well, my home isn't perfect. There might be a little bit of dust. Once again, in spite of your limitations, or disabilities, or dirty houses, step out and minister for Jesus Christ because he is worthy. Also among us are the disabled, ignored. You know what? Pure Darwinism talks about survival of the fittest. So should somebody who is a pure Darwinist or naturalist who believes in this natural progression, what would we, should we care about the disabled? You know, at Olive Branch, we've said we want to have a ministry not so that we can accommodate them, so that we can welcome and embrace them. And there is some chaos in it, and it takes some extra time. And we simply need people next Saturday to come out for three hours on Saturday morning, learn what it takes just to sit next to someone who's disabled and reach out and hand them something or help them in some way. And you can do that. Please join us as we embrace those around us who need to hear about Jesus Christ. I had a friend who led a a disability ministry in Pennsylvania, still does. And he said, you know what? The disabled are an unreached people group among us because people ignore them. It's difficult for them to get out. Uh, Sometimes people are socially difficult. What are we doing to reach out and reach the disabled? Here are places, ways for you to step out and minister for God's glory.
And finally, not just our neighbors, not just Mexico and uh, students, international students, not just the disabled, but again, though they're out of sight, may we not forget those who haven't heard the name of Jesus Christ, heard the complete gospel story. One third of the world still doesn't know who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God, and I think it's about 98% of the world can recognize the Coca-Cola trademark. We as a church, as evangelicals, have not done what we can. Can we all go? No. Can we all serve where God has us? Absolutely. And we need to step out in that way. And as I challenge people to step out and serve, a lot of people say, well, Kevin, you know, my thing is drama. Or I sing. Or I ride unicycles. So what can I kind of do with that? And I say, you know what? I think God, who is an amazing God, can probably use that. But you're starting from the wrong starting point. That's very egocentric. The question you should be asking is, what is it going to take to reach my neighborhood for Jesus Christ? What is it going to take to reach the world for Jesus? And once we start looking at that, then we can see how we can step in there. But we don't come in with our list of, here, God, here's what it's got to look like if I'm going to get involved. No, we come as Isaiah and say, here am I, Lord. Send me Use me. People say, well, I own a ministry where I really feel fulfilled. Maybe you will have a ministry like that. Maybe you won't. But it's not about you. When Jesus walked through the streets being ridiculed, being flogged, he wasn't preaching a gospel where he's saying it's all about me, it's all about your comfort. He was saying, this is important. This takes sacrifice. This is news that needs to get out. Jesus suffered for our behalf so that we might have a relationship with God, so that through his power we can go out and reach the world so that his name is honored throughout the world as it should be. Paul walked from village to village, from town to town. I couldn't even count all the times he was beaten he was stoned. Read 2 Corinthians 11. I think it starts about verse 25, goes on to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he talks about all the times he's beaten and shipwrecked and faced hardship and starvation. And he ends with that whole passage of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, saying, but it's in my weakness, in my brokenness, in my beatings, in my disability that his strength is seen. Paul was not going around talking about Jesus because it was some kind of self-fulfillment. His body was racked with pain and likely disability, and he pressed on because it had to be known. Because the response to good news is to tell others. It is part of our duty. Our heart should break for those who need to know. Then what do we do with this? What is our, our course of action? It's to understand our role as, as followers of Christ, as ambassadors. The, the Bible talks about as you are going. When it says go and make disciples, it's as you are going. Share the gospel. Tell others. Minister to them physically and spiritually. You are blessed to know your heavenly Father. You are blessed to be able to gather with Christians freely and celebrate and sing who he is and listen to his word, 
But it's not just for you. Like Abram, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed so that you can minister to others. And I want to encourage you in that. And my fear, my greatest fear for the church is that we become so self-focused about us. Can we make the lighting better? Can we make the sound better? Can we make the chairs better? Now, I'm glad we have lighting and sound and chairs and we can gather together and go on out to reach us. But it, it reminds me of the shipping industry. For years, shipping was the beginning of the, and the, the best mode of transportation. Ships were made to take people from point A to point B. The early missionaries going overseas would take months to get from wherever they were, Europe or America, and get overseas to this other place. But ships were the best way to go. And militarily, ships were used in the battles. After World War II and other modes of transportation started being developed, the shipping industry declined. Got slower and slower. And then... The 70s, 80s shipping industry picked up, and now it's going like gangbusters. Why? Cruises. Cruises are great. I love cruises. My wife and I enjoy it. I'm not bashing cruises or the cruise industry. But where do cruises usually go? They no long, ships no longer take people out into battle. Ships don't take people from point A to point B. There's some ships that do. I get that. Most of the shipping industry is about the comfort of its passengers. My prayer is that this church is used the way that ships were meant to be used from the beginning. That as we gather on Sundays, we learn, we, we, we grow together and we leave this building going out as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That this, this, this building, this body of believers is sending people out. And my fear is that the church becomes a cruise ship. That we come here and say, Kevin, Greg, who's ever speaking, make me comfortable. You know, life's tough and we have disability and we're fighting this and my kids aren't perfect and my spouse, they they think differently than I do. Can you believe that? And all these problems. And we do have problems and some of us are just overwhelmed and there's a time to pull together and encourage each other. But, But most of us need to be going out and sharing in spite of our weakness, in spite of our disability, for God's glory. Our course is our resolution to take on the role, to play out this role that God has for us as ambassadors. You know, Jesus came, he died for our sins, he rose again, over 500 people saw him, and he went up into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came and empowered us, all of us who follow him, and we are God's plan to reach your neighborhood. Sometimes people say, well, Kevin, if you would just come out or if Olive Branch would do this in my neighborhood, we can do this. And, well, let us know how we can help you to reach your neighborhood. God can use you. That is part of your role and responsibility. God can use you at work. Wherever you go, you are blessed to be a blessing. And it takes every one of us. If we want to reach Corona, if we want to reach Temesco Valley, it's going to take you each one of you and me to step up and live out this role because Jesus came down and lived on this planet in the flesh and took on my sins and your sins that demands a response. 
And it demands compassion. It demands a course of action for each one of us. Now, part of this is we come together as a church. We have a responsibility together as a gathered church. Now, in America, we think very individualistically. But I want to gather us together and think as a church, what are we doing to reach locally and globally. Now today is a, a mission Sunday. We're going to be talking about sending Scott and Casey. What else are we doing to reach the ends of the earth? Why are we, and why are we doing that? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. People say, well, why are we sending people over there when there's so many needs here? And my question is, are we going to wait till everything is perfect here before we obey Scripture? Yes, there are needs here. There will always be needs here. We have, I think, 27 different translations of the Bible in English since 1985 available to us. There are some languages that don't have any. I ministered in Indonesia among 12 different languages, and not one had the Bible in their language, and it is really tough to grow. And some of them came out and learned and are, are translating the Bible in their own languages there in New Guinea. But we have that. What about those places that don't? What about those places that don't have churches? We can't just send money. Because there's nobody there. We need to be involved in that process. So Olive Branch has said, we want to not just send people, but plant churches. Because remember when Trevor read our, our, our verse, Christ is the head of the church. Let's not think individualistically. Let's think corporately. So these five, normally people come to the, the church leadership and say, I really want to go overseas or God's laid this on my heart. The, the elders approached these five and said, we as elders, as leaders of Olive Branch, want to plan a church overseas among an unreached people group in Africa. We're not exactly sure where. Would you be a part of this? And after they freaked out, after we walked through some things or the, the leadership did, uh, they made a decision, let's go together. You know what? These, these five aren't perfect, but God can use them. So how do we get behind them? Most of the time, people have to raise their support, and they go out, and it takes a long time because the travel back and forth, the medical insurance to cover them when they're overseas and back here as they go back overseas. We're looking at a 10-year process in Southern Africa to plant reproducing churches. How do we really get behind them? Well, the elders said, you know, most people have to go out and raise their funds, and until they get 100% of their funds, they can't go. And that's still true for this group. But the elders said, this is our idea. We want to get behind them. So several weeks ago, the elders voted and said, you know what? They have to raise a lot of money. We, from the church budget, are going to support them at 40% of their total needs. So overnight, though they had started to raise some of their money, they had about 5%. They went from 5 to 45% of what they need. Now, they still need about 55 or some of them almost 60% of the rest. They need to fill that up. So that takes us getting behind them. And some people say, well, wait, I, I give to the church, and now the church is supporting them from the budget, 40% of their needs, and you want me, me to do more? This is what the church does. You know, in the next couple of years, we're looking at moving down to Mesco Valley several miles and building a building. 
A building? Really? Yes, so that we can reach more people. So that we can provide an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ where there aren't churches down uh, south of here in the Temesco Valley. People say, well, you know, maybe I'll give to the building fund or I'll give to that or whatever. This is a corporate responsibility. Olive Branch wants to reach Corona, Temesco Valley, America, and the ends of the earth. As we give, we're involved in all of that as a church. At the same time, we're also reaching the disabled. We're also sending people to Mexico. We're also sending people to other parts of the world. That still involves of all of us individually. Corporately, we're supporting this team at 40%. I want you individually to step forward and help fill in that last 60% because they cannot go unless people support them. In your bulletin is a little sheet. They need people to start supporting them now. Things like automobiles are expensive and they're outgoing initial funds. So though they don't need the funds now because they're working, they will accrue so they can get things and equipment and make the move because that's expensive the first time going over. So get behind this team. If you're going to support them, please don't delay. They've visited the small groups. They've connected with people. They want to head out. They need to make some decisions pretty soon to see what the next step are depending on their timing. So please support them. And you know what? Once you start supporting somebody individually, your prayer for them increases. When you write that check, you see that electronic transfer go, you go, ouch. Maybe we need to remember to pray for them too. I know that's part of my weakness. I forget about people. But if my money is going there, I don't forget them. Now, so we're sending this team, hopefully in the summer, depends on how they raise their support, so need your help in that. We're also sending Scott and Casey McCollum, or this team is going with World Team. Scott and Casey are going with the Southern Baptist, the Church of Southern Baptist, so there's the International Mission Board, called the other, otherwise known as the IMB. They send people out, and I have a two-minute video from their president on what it looks like to send people out. Two billion people spanning 6,500 people groups who at this moment do not even have access to the gospel. That is not tolerable. So we must go to them. We're obligated to go to them. Their knowledge of God is only enough to damn them to hell. The gospel of God is powerful enough to save them for heaven. The plan of God warrants our sacrifice and the Son of God deserves their praise. So we don't have an option. We must work to get the gospel to unreached peoples, all of us. We, we must. So with that obligation on the table, we must work, strive, live, die to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. We lay our lives down on the table. We lay our families down. We lay this church down with no strings attached. And we say to God, whatever you want us to do to get the gospel to unreached peoples, we will do it. As president of the IMB, I think about the potential of tens of thousands of churches joined together in praying and in giving and in sending multitudes, more missionaries to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. And it's in light of that picture that I want to urge you 
encourage you to give, to give sacrificially as a part of your church's offering so that we might be able to send more and more brothers and sisters to the front lines, making the gospel known among unreached peoples, ultimately so that our God receives the glory that is due his name alone. He said some very strong things there. Laying our church down, laying our lives down. God doesn't promise the success that we dream of when we send people. Because it's not about them, it's not about us, it's about His glory. The glory He is due. So we don't sit there and put our list of what we expect from God. We lay down our church, our finances, our lives to see this happen, as David Plaid mentioned here. So that... He will get the honor due for him. Now, Scott and Casey, we're going to send them out in a little bit and involve all of you in that process. Now, the way that the the team going to Southern Africa had to raise support, because we're partnering with other Southern Baptist churches, it's through a collective offering that they are sent out. If you want to get behind them, you can do that through the IMB financially. Inside your bulletin, we also have a, a nice picture of them. It's nice of Casey anyway. I don't know about Scott. But also, there's a little bookmark in there. Now, remember I mentioned a lot of us, we have this, our treasure is with our finances. So we support somebody, then we remember to pay for them. Most of us, <coughs> excuse me, as we get behind them, it will be through prayer. May we never be so arrogant to say, hey, this is a gifted couple, Scott with his video stuff, Casey and medicine, in order to, to reach Southeast Asia. May we never think or be so arrogant that they don't need our prayers. This is a God thing. It's something about Him. So may we get behind them. So fill out that little sheet. There's a little box in the back where you can drop that in and get on their prayer letter list. So you can remember as a family to pray for them, as a small group, to lift them up to our Heavenly Father because they need us as a church to get behind them uh, as they go to pray for them. And I'll be uh, reminding us about them and keeping us updated as they are gone for the next couple years. But this morning is their last Sunday with us before they head out for some training. So what does this really mean for us? It means the gospel involves a so that. In John 17, as Jesus is praying before he heads out to his death, he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. That's us. Grab onto that role. Learn what you can. There's a class starting a couple weeks on how to talk to an atheist or agnostic. If you say, I don't know how, take the class. It's right here. It's free. We need to let go of these excuses and say, what is it going to take to reach my neighbors? What is it going to take for me to reach the world? We are all involved in that together as a church. We're not all going to Southern Africa or Southeast Asia, but we need to get behind them. We're not all involved in every ministry, but that's part of what we're doing as a church. We need to corporately get behind this and pray and lift them up. And again, our challenge is that each of us Bring three people here for a Sunday service. Again, I hope you do more. Take them out. Louis Zamperini, great movie, Unbroken. 
take him. Louis turned his over, life over to Jesus Christ, and he went back to Japan and offered forgiveness. And that's not in the movie, but take a non-Christian to the movie, and say, it's supposed to be an inspirational movie. Ask him, what does this inspire you to do? There's hints of the gospel. Use that kind of thing in your role as ambassador for Jesus Christ. You know what, Scott and Casey are taking off and they're leaving a gap here at Olive Branch. We need people to step up and help minister. Again, I'm glad we have a relationship with uh, Jesus, God through Jesus Christ. And I hope we do grow in that and we find comfort together. But may we step out and serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you for saving us, but we are still such a selfish people. We tend to focus on our own self and our own needs and our own uh, comfort. God, comfort us. Your Holy Spirit is called the comforter. But in that process, in our brokenness, in our aching over our sins and where we fall short, God, you still promise to use us. Use us for your glory. Use us in spite of ourselves. Help us to keep our eyes off of ourselves and our disabilities or faults and onto you. And may you get the glory. And God, I just pray for Olive Branch, the people here, the church, that we would step out, invite people to come, specifically three people in the next three months, because people need to hear about your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you that in spite of us, you use us so that you can get the glory you deserve. In Jesus' precious name, amen.